Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. All right, we are back for another Friday financial wrap-up with Mr. Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? I'm doing wonderful, man. Uh, studying the economy is fun because it's always changing, always evolving, and uh, you always get surprised. So, uh, yeah, it's been another exciting week. Another exciting week. So this is for January the 27th, 23. Let's get right into it. GDP, I think most people know, but what is it and what happened this week? Yeah, so GDP stands for gross domestic product. It's basically a measure of what the country did for the quarter, right? So we just got Q4 GDP. Now, if you look back at 2022, there were a couple of negative quarters. I believe it was Q1 and Q2 were negative. So the economy was shrinking. Uh, Q3 was positive, And we just got our first read for Q4 GDP. And it came in higher than expected. Expectations for memory were 2.6. It came in at 2.9. Why is that important? Well, as we know, the Fed is trying to slow the economy down. And again, GDP is its not a great measure to measure what the Fed's doing, but it is certainly an input. And uh, GDP growing at 2.9% more than expected is going to get the Fed's attention. And, um, you know, is it too hot? Is it not? We don't know, but... Uh, Again, it was higher than expected, in the, and I bet the Fed takes notice. So the Fed will take notice of GDP. We're going to say that this is going to raise an eyebrow, and we're definitely not through the woods. It's something that we should keep an eye on, and just obviously the Fed is going to be very attentive to that. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, the Fed looks at lots and lots of data. Uh, I've said, I think, on this show that the Fed is winning. Uh, I think the Fed looks at that number and goes – not quite winning on that number. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's continue. So let's talk about unemployment claims. What did you see this week with unemployment? Again, we're very lucky, right? Most economic data comes out monthly and delayed, right? So we're always reacting to stuff that's 45 to 60 days late. Unemployment claims is actually one of those economic numbers that we get every Thursday. So again, it's like a drumbeat, right? It's it's not perfect, but it's more frequent. And I have said and been on record that the Fed wants to see weekly unemployment claims closer to, if not over, 300,000. For the last year or so, we've been averaging 210 to 220. The last three weeks, they've been going down. And a lot of that was blamed perhaps on seasonality and holidays and other things. So this week was the first kind of non-holiday week in total. And uh, shockingly, it came in lower. It came in at 180,000. I believe the cycle low was 179 one time. So we got within a thousand of the cycle low. Again, I talked earlier about the Fed looking at GDP with a, with a smirk or whatever. They're looking at this number going, I am trying to crush the job market and this is what's going on. So again, it's one data point in a hodgepodge of data sets, but
but they're going to look at this weekly claim and more likely the trend and go, damn it, the market is still too hot, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, that that number was shockingly low and certainly could be revised higher because they are adjusted the next week. But if it stays at this number, the Fed's going to look at that number going, we got more work to do. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Something to keep an eye on, folks. We are definitely not through the woods. Let's talk about the Fed surprise. What did you see this week? Yeah. Again, based on those two numbers and the fact that the trend in successive the Fed is winning, I want to put out there something I believe they should do, but they won't do. And this is only the second time I brought this up here on this show. If people follow the channel and they follow this, they know that I believe the Fed will do 25 basis points on February 1st, and I have not changed my opinion. I now believe with what I see in these last two data sets that the Fed should do 50 basis points February 1st. I have long said they're going to do 50 in February and 50, or I'm sorry, stand corrected. I have long said they are going to do 25 in February and 25 in February or in March for a total of 50 and be done. I now want them to front load this thing. I want them to shock the market to show they are serious and bang us with all 50 on February 1st. That's what they should do. I don't think they have the guts to do. Very interesting. So really, again, your prediction and your call is at 25 basis points in February. However, based on the new numbers, based on the new data, you think in the better interest of the overall economics, they actually should do 50 basis points, but very unlikely that that's going to happen. You still think 25 basis points. Yeah. And again, I want to be clear. I I think the Fed has 50 more in them. They're just going to do it 25 at a time. And all I'm asking you to do is take the March 15th Fed increase of 25 and slam it into February. So all I'm asking them to do is move that 125 earlier. That's what I'm hoping and asking for. Very interesting. Very interesting. So something to keep an eye on, folks. Definitely the next month, February is going to be real interesting. And then even as we progress into March, April, May, and get into this springtime, let's continue, Michael. Let's talk about layoffs. What did you see this week with layoffs and just thoughts overall about employment? Oh, yeah. Layoffs seem to be uh, still very much in the tech and finance sector, uh, very much what I'm calling the white collar recession. Um, We have to also realize that with the weekly unemployment claims going down, that many of these people are laid off are finding jobs quickly. Uh, We also have reports that these severance packages that people are getting are six, eight, 10, 12 months in total payment. So these people, these tech workers aren't hurting immediately. So again, there's a lot of headline grabbing numbers, uh, but when you look at tech, tech makes up 2% of the employment base. So it's, 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 it's a number, but it's inconsequential in the bigger scheme. And again, I think it's pretty obvious that most people getting laid off are finding it relatively easy to find a job. And um, hence unemployment claims are down. Unemployment fell from three, seven to three, five. Um, I know it's it sucks to be laid off. It's it's hurt. It's 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 not fun. Uh, but thankfully, it appears most people are finding jobs pretty quickly. Interesting. So again, layoffs have happened. They probably will continue. 
but it appears that people are well insulated, they're finding other employment, and or even maybe through their severances, they're just secure for now going forward through settle, settlements yeah. or severance packages. Yeah, they can, take a, they can take a breath, decompress, okay. flush the bad memories behind them, and then start looking in a month or two, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the the scary headlines are not showing up in the actual data. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, that leads us and leads me to really the next thought or the next question or topic is demand. What do you see in demand? What are your thoughts about demand this week? It's something we constantly talk about the market, demand, supply. What are your thoughts on demand? I would love to hear from your audience, right? Your audience is very much focused real estate agents, real estate brokers. I speak to them as well. Uh, but near as I can tell, there we have two markets. The high end or luxury, still very much broken, still very much a want, not a need. And then there's the first time home buyer or the affordable or the FHA VA buyer. That activity is clearly up. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't argue it. It's clearly up. And um, I think it's shocking people. I think people were shocked at January strength. And it will be interesting to see the numbers in February if um, if it comes through for the market. Because again, I think what's happening right now in the real housing market is we have two markets. Housing at luxury is distorted. It's aging out and inventory is building. But the low end is it's always been hotter. But I think it's really picking up. I actually heard from multiple agents that they've had bidding wars, or I shouldn't say bidding wars. They've had multiple offers on entry-level homes. And that wasn't, you didn't have that for two months, right? November and December, you were happy to get one. Yeah. We are now seeing in listings for affordable homes, entry-level homes, uh, accepted states. We will look at offers on. That is not what happens in a slow market, right? You're begging an offer. So I think we have two markets going on and I would love to hear from your your agents and brokers if they're seeing the same thing. I would love it too. And I, and I would encourage people that are watching this, especially the real estate uh, agents, lenders, uh, realtors, loan officers, all the above investors. We would love for you to comment, comment either here in YouTube or in Facebook. We would love to see your comments and your thoughts on this. Michael, I talked to uh, several broker, uh, dear, dear friends, brothers, uh, dear friends of mine. And one of the interesting things is that a theme around the median value and under is it's been described as anemic in terms of the amount of inventory that like literally no inventory, very little new inventory, at least thus far coming into January, maybe because it was so wet, but maybe. also the fact that people, something you said a long time ago which is why would somebody move 80 plus percent of the people have these two and three and 4% mortgages. A lot exactly. of people are just going to figure out how to, how to maximize and stay where they're at for the most part. Yeah. A lot of, that? lot of, a lot of bunk beds going to be sold, right? Cause yeah. a lot of folks got into homes and they have another kid. They're just going to slam bunk beds instead of buying a bigger home. And it makes financial sense. That's what they should do. That's what the numbers say. So, yeah, I, I really do believe uh, that too many of the analysts, and again, I speak with Lance Lambert, who's a fortune editor in, in all things housing every Thursday, and we just had a demand conversation. And, I'm, and I've told him, it's on record that I think there's two markets. There's below the median, whatever the median is in your market, there's no inventory. Builders don't build there. You have the move up buyer not selling. 
So what do you have? You have some fix and flippers. You have some tired landlords. You have some people that died. That's not a lot of inventory. And hence, you're going to have multiple offers if that's where you're playing. And the luxury market's dead as a doornail. Stock market falling, jobs uncertainty. Nobody needs a luxury home. You want a luxury home. Uh, so I know where I'd be focusing if I was in the market for sure. Makes perfect sense. Uh, makes total sense. And also, too, I just think with um, something you called and you've been talking about and we've been talking about on this specific channel is that interest rates are now beginning to stabilize. So that uncertainty seems to have hit a level of comfort where people are getting off the sidelines and people are reengaging. And with that, would you agree with that? Yeah, and Lance Lambert actually just wrote an article on Fortune. You can go to Fortune magazine and search Lance Lambert. And and basically, he's talking about consumer psychology, which is something I've studied for 30 years. The consumer, and this is according to Allie Wolf as well, A-L-I, Wolf. She's saying that consumers are now accepting that 3%, 4% interest rates are a thing in the past because they now remember seven and a half. So they're accepting six, accepting five and a half, accepting five. It is amazing to see consumers go from, I can't believe it, to acceptance. And that's why you're getting more FHA and VA buyers because they, they're like, wow, I can get a five and a half, a 5.2, not seven, sign me up. The consumer is fickled. And uh, according to Allie Wolf, uh, you could follow her on Twitter. Um, she's saying they have now have acceptance and they're writing offers. It's crazy to watch. Makes perfect sense. Well, let's let's wrap this up. So let's talk about the thing we always love to talk about with the one rental at a time community at opportunity. What do you see in just your thoughts as we're finishing January, as we're wrapping up January, your thoughts about 2023, the opportunity that's right before us as we might even call this an early spring season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think what I would do in every market is divided into the three buckets, luxury, move up and first time home buyer. So we'll just go, we'll go top down, right? If you're in the luxury market as a real estate agent or broker, you have to, you have to be thinking return on time. I think a lot of you take luxury listings because of ego and you want the magazine cover. And that's not what you should be doing now. You should think about months of life, your expenses, and you should be really, really surviving the next couple of years. And luxury is probably not the place to be. If you have the property on the street that has the history, okay. But let me just tell you right now, you don't have that listing. You're lying to yourself. Uh, second, if you're an investor like me, I am shopping for a luxury rental. I've never done it. I will only do it if it cash flows day one. I will get seller financing. I will have a monster balloon payment in 10 or 20 years. So I am trying to find an opportunity in the chaos. Most people should not do it. I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I can. I have the portfolio. And this will be a one-off, but most people shouldn't. Luxury. Move up. I think move up is going to be where the sub two comes in. Creative financing, something that you, Ty, have taught you and Pace Morby is known for. I think there's going to be some white collar workers, finance, tech, uh, that are unfortunately hurt and they need to move. They need to relocate. Uh, maybe they're getting divorced, uh, you know, whatever. And there's going to be some great opportunities to pick up quality assets with ridiculously low mortgage rates. Move up. Now, affordable and first time. I don't recommend most people flip in this environment. I think most people will lose money in this environment because they don't buy cheap enough. All of you are fascinated with ARVs. 
you're an idiot. You have to worry about what you buy it at. You make your money when you buy. So if you can, and if you are disciplined, it could be an awesome market. You and I are part of a Monday discussion with the hub where I personally am proving these crash bros wrong that I could buy two properties out of the MLS, get a 30% discount, put 30 or 40 grand in, sell them and make 30 or 40 grand in less than 90 days. One of them is escrow. I signed yesterday. Hopefully it closes in the next week. We'll see. I could be wrong. Uh, but if you're going to flip, that's where it's at. If you're one rental at a time student, most of you should not be trying to get rentals at luxury. That's not the place to play for most of you. You're going to look at the cheaper stuff. I suspect where I would be competing today, if, the, if I was starting out like 2002, I would be looking at fixers. Because right now, the dominant force in first-time homebuyers, FHA and VA, and they don't qualify for fixers. Why did I get a 30% discount twice? Because I bought a fixer. So again, I think the math will prove it. I have a spreadsheet that I talk about that they have access to, and that's where I'd be playing. So that's what I'd be doing. That's where the opportunities, plenty of opportunity. It's just, what does the opportunity look like in your market, in your buy box? I love it. I love it. Folks, the market is filled with opportunity. Michael, thank you for all the work. I love it. For those of you at home, you're watching this, you're at work, the One Rental at a Time book, I would encourage you, if you have not bought it, pick it up. If you have it, please give this man a five-star review on Amazon. Also, the course. How much is the course, Michael? Well, right now, it's supposed to be $400. Uh, I am heading out of town for a little while, so I've left it at $320. Uh, the day I get back, it will go to 400, but right now it's 320. Got it. And so just be really clear, folks, this is a high, high value course to me. I've bought programs, 500, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars for similar material, or even with all due respect, inferior, inferior material. So the beauty with Michael, with his course, he's always adding new content. I've added content. I've uh, done stuff on pre-foreclosures understanding pre-foreclosures specifically in California, the opportunities that are there this year and in this next cycle. Michael, thank you for all that you do. Have a great weekend. Have a wonderful travel, safe travels. Thank you for all that you do. Thanks, brother.